Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. Man, that was a quick little intro. Um, <laughs> didn't give me time to think. So uh, we have uh, Steve, my co-host, in the Hello, studio everyone. tonight. Hi, Steve. Uh, Alan is out in Atlanta at a work conference or a work lunch. Well, it wouldn't be luncheon at this time. It's, it's a, a freezing, whatever uh, time it is. I work. Yeah, I know. You know something? We're in we're in uh, beautiful Port St. Lucie, Florida, and I'm cold. <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> it's but but you know something? It's cold everywhere. They say that in the in the uh, in the Midwest, it's like. Like 48 below. Terrible. My family in Chicago, they woke up to 19 below this morning. So, You know, and, and, and what we'll do is we'll bring in our weather reporter from, <laughs> from New Jersey, Lisa Lieberman-Wang. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing awesome, Ray and Steve. How's the weather up there? It's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful what? If you're a penguin, right? If you're a penguin, I'm inside. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, Lisa, so welcome Lisa- to the show. Thank you. Lisa Liebman Wang is the international best selling author of a book, Fine, F I N E, Effed Up, Insecure, Neurotic, and Emotional to Fab. Lisa is a relationship and emotional health breakthrough expert and co creator of Neuro Associated Programming, NAP. She created NAP for you to heal in a short period of time, avoid years of shame, blame, and therapy with a proven model to break through whatever is weighing you down. Now, that's, that's, that's very, very interesting because, you know, through a lot of the um, quote-unquote programming that individuals in uh, recovery get, there's a set of, a set of steps and, you know, a lot of times it takes time to get through each individual step. It seems like with your neuro associative programming, you kind of get through it in a shorter period of time to be able to deal, feel, and heal. Yes, that's I love that deal, feel, and heal. (laughs) That is very true. It's not original. Yeah, I was going to say, he didn't come up with that. No, it's not original. (laughs) Oh, okay. It's my first time I think I'm hearing it, or I just heard it for the first time. Anything that comes out of my mouth is an original if it's a program. Okay. (laughs) Then I I was only in the program for 13 years, so I might have missed it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, what, what it is is over the years I had gone through what I said, what you can avoid is years of shame, blame, and therapy. And traditional therapy was one of those things to me as you go in there, you're feeling okay. They open up the wounds. You got to go out and heal again. Your scar gets gets put there and um, your scab is there. And then all of a sudden you go back in, you do it again. And for a program, you know, I found that for myself, I had just was just switching one addiction to another. I was using food for 13 years. I was a compulsive overeater, bulimic, um, binge eater and I realized when I stopped the food it was other things and then all of a sudden it became meetings like I had to go and I couldn't exist without it and I said there had to be a better way where I didn't have to 
be always white knuckling it and trying to figure out how to make this happen and how can I just eliminate it, change it, get rid of it and no longer be programmed for this. And through the studying of quantum physics and neuroscience and human psychology, I found there really are easier ways to be able to conquer this dis-ease with ourselves and I'm grateful that I've been a testament to it and have thousands of other people who are too where we can stop hurting ourselves and live an authentic life happy, healthy, and free. Right on. I like that. So when did the light come on for you, Lisa? Um, How many years? Several questions I'm very anxious to ask you. And How many years uh, did you suffer with abuse? Well, um, pretty much emotional abuse is most of my life. My, you know, I came from a traditional dysfunctional family where everybody said disparaging words. My nickname was AH, which is asshole. Oh, jeez. And um, I spoke to my brother the other day, and my dad just passed away. And and um, we've we've actually healed all this stuff years and years and years ago. But um, I found out his nickname was idiot. And I said, well, I think I like that one better. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would take that one. Yeah. <laughs> because it was used publicly as well as privately. And, you know, that was that was one form of abuse that doesn't leave scars on the outside, but it totally left scars internally. And All always right. feeling like you can never measure up, never good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, skinny enough. It didn't matter. It was never right. enough. Right. Um, yeah. I, I can certainly sympathize with that, having uh, being a survivor of child sexual abuse. That those scars are very deep and very long lasting, um, which leads me to my next question. When did the light come on for you? When did you realize that you could overcome these these scars? You could you could heal them? Well, I think that's a big jump from when I realized I could. It was more about the fact that me holding on to the scars, it wasn't the emotional abuse that caused it. I was date raped at 16. And and then when I told one person, they told me, you know, don't tell your father. I took it as I did something wrong. And when my father found out at 18, I was attacked by an employer. He tried to kill the guy. He brought us into court. He was so upset. I was like, so that was really misinformation, misinformed at the time of what I was told and what was a reality. And, and then at 19, attacked again. So the sexual abuse was really more of the catalyst for the eating disorder and trying to stuff everything in and keep it. Okay. The, the wake-up call came twice. Um, I was hospitalized at 18 with a sudden heart attack because um, I, was, I was so stressed from holding everything in. I was on antidepressants, anxiety medications, asthma medications, high blood pressure medications, and and it just I, I wasn't functioning. And that was the beginning of the eating disorder. They said, you have control over this. I couldn't keep water in my stomach, let alone food, and I had gone down to 95 pounds, lost 30 pounds in 30 days. Mm. And... You know, that was like kind of the, the biggest turning point for me is, is the first turning point, which actually started the disease, and you know, as, as far as using a substance to feel better. And I, I kind of equated it to when you're sick, they're nice to you. And that's what happened is, you know, when I was being wheeled in, my, my dad said, I love you. And he may have said it before, but it was the first time I heard it. Right, right. And because of it, I kind of said, oh, not consciously. This is subconscious years later at figuring it out. You know, when you're sick, they're nice. The turning point came after, it was, I don't even know if it's five or six hospitalizations anymore. I've kind of lost count, guys. And it came to the point where my grandmother, who I loved 
so dearly, you know, is the, the most important thing, the wind beneath my wings in every way, you know, used to cry on the phone with me and say, baby, take care of your mother's daughter. And, you know, what, what it was for me very big is I was really a great savior for everyone else but me. Mm. And when she'd say it to me, and she didn't even know she knew linguistics back then, how smart <laughs> she was, is, you know, she's no longer with us either. And um, and she was saying is, you know, you're so good at taking care of everybody else, take care of you. And I didn't quite equate it to taking care of me. That wasn't my job. I was so busy trying to get love from everybody. And a lot of times that's why I really believe that the situations that I got into and the mishaps that happened for myself, you know, in hindsight, you know, might have been avoided had I understood things better. So the turning point came when my grandma was, was when I ended up going through some processes with somebody who guided me to understand if I kept doing what I'm doing for a longer period of time, what would that look like? It's kind of like an Ebenezer pattern. When you take something and you quantify it over and over again, your brain doesn't know the difference from fact or fiction. So if you t- if you intensify it enough and make it real, it appears as if it's really happening. And it can literally leave an impression in your brain as if it did happen, even if it didn't. And that was a turning point for me as I saw myself not five years down the line, 10, 20. I didn't think I would ever make it. And, and it was just, I just, I just kept thinking, this is only me. Why is everybody getting upset? This is my problem. And it, it was woke me up like the Christmas past and the Dickens story, you know, when he's go, the ghost of Christmas past comes and takes them into the future and shows them what's happening and how it's affecting people. I, cut, I went through that process and I saw, wow, if I keep doing this, what's going to happen? And the truth is I wouldn't be here. And then I was hurting the people I really loved, which was more harmful to me than me not being here was I didn't want to be hurting grandma. Right. And that was my turning point. So let's uh, let's go let's go back to something real quick and what you were just saying. You said you when you were 18 you were hospitalized with a heart attack? Yes, hon. Now what and you said that was the beginning of your of your um, eating disorder. So what what did they say that that heart attack was caused from stress? What Just stress? Well, I was already on Tagamid and I was on medications for ulcers and high blood pressure and everything else as a kid, and I had already had years of taking the emotional stuff, the emotional abuse, and then. Um, and then stress from school and having to be an overachiever and an A student and scholarships and everything you can imagine that it got to the point where I just couldn't even keep food or liquid in my stomach. My potassium got so low that it caused a sudden heart attack. And that, and then when I was in the hospital and they were watching me, I never tried to throw up. I never put my finger down my throat. I didn't do any of the things or take anything like you'll hear about in, for normal eating disorders. Right. And what happened is I had a gag reflex, and they said, you have control over it. And I said, I do? Like, in other words, I didn't know I did. And huh. and that was the wake-up of, oh, I have control over this. That means I can use it. And that's exactly what happened. So now, um, with, with that, how how is your health today? Like, does your heart know any damage from when you were 18? You know what? The fact that your body regenerates every two years, every cell and membrane in your body is different than it was years ago. The only thing that comes back that's consistent is our memory. Mm-hmm. So knock wood, I am a healthy, unbelievably healthy human being. 
That's awesome. That's great. That's, that, that's really so there's good. still hope for me as well, I guess. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, your brain doesn't regenerate. <laughs> there's hope for all of us. There's always hope for all of us. <laughs> that's, that's great because one of the things I wanted to ask you is um, if you had any long-lasting effects, um, you know, from that. And, you know, as a recovering alcoholic, I know that my um, – some of the conditions I have, physical conditions, are going to take years to mm-hmm. heal, right? Yeah. You know, but now knowing that you've done this research, that there is hope, um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, the interesting part about it is, you know, there are other challenges I ended up having that aren't necessarily what you'd expect. I mean, I have things that I do have an automatic gag reflex that I have to, I had to learn how to control because if I eat too much, I can go back where I was and it doesn't matter that I have 25 years of abstinence from hurting myself. I can, I, you can the disease is, picks up exactly where it left off. It's very easy to go mm-hmm. back there if you let it. Um, I just don't put myself in situations to ever feel that way. Right. You, you know, and you as know. far as other things that ended up happening, I mean, hair falling out and teeth, um, losing the enamel mm-hmm. on my teeth because of all the, the acid from the. Yeah, protein. I was I was going to ask you about that because because just to just to share my personal story, being a heroin addict, um, that was something that. I received damage from. I have a I have a bridge, like a complete bridge across the top of my uh, top of my mouth now because of the damage. You know what I mean? They just tore the enamel away, and mm-hmm. and you know, plus lack of care, I guess. Yeah. Um, but back then, what they were cutting the heroin with was quinine, and quinine just tore every everyone I know who's my age or older who abused heroin either. Don't, don't don't have teeth, have false teeth, or have some kind of bridge in their mouth. And that was one thing that I did re- did remember from stories of, and maybe it was because of purging that you burned the teeth, yeah. or was it? Yeah, it's, that, it's because of the purging, the acid from the food ends up corro- literally eroding mm-hmm. the enamel away, period. Crazy, right? Yeah. Right. So the teeth become almost translucent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, look, I wanted to go back at one thing. One of the very interesting things you said is um, I think it's common in a lot of people who suffered from abuse and go on to uh, one form of a, an illness or another, be it alcoholism or addiction or anorexia, bulimia, um, is the lack of self-love. And not only the lack of self-love, but the feeling that we have that really, no matter what we do, it's not going to affect anybody around me because, you know, they don't really love me. Um, and to me, that's still a mystery uh, of how one gets to that point where you literally don't think that your actions are going to affect others because you do not feel the love that others are giving to you. Um, is that one of the things that um, you help work out in, in your uh, plan of recovery and treatment? Is, is I think I need to reframe the question. Is it, you mean the fact of looking at the, how it's affecting others, not just yourself? Um, yeah, or coming to realize somehow or another that other people do love you or, you know, me in my right. circumstance, you know, do love me and the things yeah. that I do do affect them, whether I believe it or not. 
Well, the, the piece that we spend time with is actually learning to fly. First, love yourself. And here's the deal is you're not going to do anything nice for someone you don't like. And a lot of times we're telling people, well, take care of yourself. Do this, do that. And it's like, you know, if they don't like the person, they're not going to do good things for themselves. You got to get to the point of like, and then we can get to the point of love. And a lot of people miss that. Like they, you know, they, they so despise themselves. And I do agree with you, Steve. It's like if they don't like themselves, they're not going to think anybody else really cares about them. But we got to get them to the point where appreciating that they're valued, they're worthy, they're deserving, they're, they're important. And then also the fact of what role they're playing in other people's lives. Are you that selfish that you think it's only about you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, well, you hit I, the nail on the head. That was perfect. I mean, but it is selfish disease, and and we are we also we are very self-centered at the time when we are active. And I think I think once we uh, decide that enough is enough, it's it's hard to change old views that we have instilled in ourselves. So I think that that is something that you uh, key on. With your fly now, I saw that on your website, and I'm trying to get back to it right now so I can refer it. But uh, you, you do have a you do have a portion of that, uh, like a page specifically for that on your website, right? On Fine to Fab or Lisa Lieberman Wang, yes, I do. I go into more detail of all the above. Yes. Okay, so before we go to break in about a minute why don't you share with people how they can how they can find you i mean we're, we're sitting here talking and maybe somebody can be on a website looking and and maybe calling in with some questions for you so share how people can find you on the web and how they can find your publications and then we'll go to break awesome you can find me under lisa lieberman wang the only jewish chinese woman with that name it's easy to remember <laughs> Also, the website is www.findtofab.com, and fine is is effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional to fabulous, awesome, beautiful, and also lisalibermanwang.com. The book is the number one bestseller on Amazon, and you can find it there. I am all over the place. When you're looking for me, you're going to find me, whether you're on CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox. I'll be on the time. I'll be on CW come this Sunday. Actually, I'll be inside South Florida. So find me online. Oh, or nice. Yeah. yeah, I watch that show every once in a while. I think when I'm flipping through and I see it, I, I stop. Um, so dial, look that up. Dial 866-472-5792 if you have any questions for Lisa or if you just want to share a little bit of your experience, strength, and hope. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent. 
inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every month. Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back. We are on the line with Lisa Lieberman Wang. The bestseller, oh, the author of the bestseller book "Fine to Fab," and it all, you're also the co-creator of neuro neuro associative programming. That's that's a lot for my uh, vocational mind to uh, throw all together <laughs> at once. Why don't we Why don't we talk a little bit about that? You know, in the sense of how do when somebody reaches out to you. What are the, what are the processes or what are the what are the things that you have in place to be able to start them through that? programming as as it's called absolutely well one of the first things is acknowledging fear and doubt through find to fab we actually have the seven secrets to fab which is understanding that everything we do is a program it's a program or a pattern and once we understand and we liken it to a computer which is what neuroassociative programming is is understanding that everything you've done 95% of your thoughts are already pre-programmed in your unconscious mind and 5% are your are your conscious and that's because of conditioning good or bad habits that you've repeated over time over and over again and when we look when you come to us what we really are looking at and I say us Ray because it's not just me I have a whole team of people who have gone through their own dis-ease whether it's alcohol food Mm -hmm. drugs food you know whatever it is for each person every one of us have have an amazing story of recovery and not doing it to ourselves anymore you know when anybody comes through we have to go through the seven secrets which is acknowledge Acknowledging fear and doubt, taking inventory of life's lessons and beliefs, breaking through toxic emotions and meanings, breaking the trance, uncovering unconscious patterns and behaviors, stop waiting for perfection, and making peace, practicing gratitude, and celebrating. Those seven secrets is what everything is around. And when you think about it, is you know, if you're if you're working with a computer program and it's been working the same way all the time, and you say, okay, I'm just going to put a new program in and hopefully it'll run good. Sometimes there's new operating systems that don't work with all the software that's out exactly. there. Exactly, exactly, you know? yeah. And, and mm-hmm. if, we, if we don't start looking at it, we have something called a smart nap, and it's five steps to actually change the operating system of, 
of identifying what the source what the source code is. What's going on? What's working? What's not? What? what why is it not working? What did what, what did you think it was serving you at that time? And is it still doing that? And if it's not, we need to change it. And then decompiling the corrupt programs that aren't working. There's some that maybe work. We don't want to lose those, but the ones that aren't, we need to identify them and remove them and install something new. So that's you know that's installing upgrades to the operating systems and then test you know we, we end up putting them together to make sure they're working and then testing and debugging them so I, I liken it to a computer I think it makes sense we're programmed right so and- yeah yeah Technic- so technically it's it's very very individualized um it's a very individualized program. It's not. It's not textbook as no. because that way. I mean, you're covering the masses versus the one, and so what is it? What is the process at that point? Like, how do you? Like, if I call and say, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm a mess. I'm, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm fine." Right? You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm fine. But I'm just. I'm just calling to say hi. I'm fine. Okay, is our first question, if you say you're fine, I'm going to say, which fine, mine or yours? I want to yeah, yeah, I think he meant yours. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But if someone says they're fine, it's really identifying where they are, where they want to be, and where's the gap. Mm-hmm. And usually it's that gap is where the hope is. And, and if there's a big enough gap, there's a big enough why. And if there's a big enough why, the harder they'll try. So mm-hmm. in, in that respect, we look for the gap. And then the system is actually not not a variable that's not consistent. We have consistent, measurable things that we do. The variable is is the way your journey will play out because your right. journey will be different than Steve's or mine or anybody else's. It's your journey. And some people will get through. I had a woman who didn't think she had an eating disorder. She came to me because she felt she had lack and, and no purpose and didn't know how to say hi or hello to her kids. Well, she comes to me and she had no idea that she had an eating disorder, although after working with me, she released 60 pounds. So I bet you can figure out she had an eating disorder. Yeah. And, yeah. But she but she didn't want to call it that. She didn't see it, didn't realize what it was, but she was fine. And, you know, we by the second week, just by we got through acknowledging fear and doubt and taking inventory of life's lessons and beliefs, before we even got into breaking through the toxic emotions and meanings, we had shifted so much in her and we're doing it at an unconscious level. And what I mean by that is you can't do it on your own. If you could, you would have already. This is something that through working with a licensed practitioner like myself, we literally can get to the unconscious and start creating the change rapidly. What would take years of shame, blame, and therapy. And it's not just some nice thing that I'm saying. I, I have hundreds and thousands of people that have done this just even by reading my book. Because in the book... I have you do exercises at the end of the chapters, and it's literally working on a cognitive behavior type therapy where you're you're bringing it to the surface, and then there's that point of oh my god, what am I doing? This is me doing this. Like let's let's look at this and shine a light on it so we can start making changes. Isn't it amazing how once you realize that there is a why that you can start making the changes? It, it, to me, that's just incredible because um, I. 
you keep you said this woman didn't you know didn't admit she had an eating disorder well, that's like many alcoholics and addicts will say too there's there's nothing wrong with me you know i yeah i drink but i've never had a dui or you know i've never caused anybody any pain um yeah I'm, I, I i may be you know a drunk but i'm certainly not an alcoholic you know we yep. call it so many different things and um we use so many excuses in order not to declare ourselves as one thing or another or possessing yeah. some sort of disease. And I, you, you pegged it. Um, I've heard it before, but you, you made it very succinct that once we realize that we are sick in one way or another, then we can start the healing process. Yeah. And, one, and you know, one of the, one of the good things about um, individual quote unquote therapy for the people that are out there that are just using a basic text or a blue book or something like that. What what you're getting on the pages is you're getting generalizations mm-hmm. with individuals like Lisa or individuals who, who are willing to help you get into your subconscious mind or your unconscious mind and, and try to change the values that you have set while you are out there destroying yourself and, and the loved ones around you. Um, you know, take it one step further. Don't just, don't just go with the general route because that route may take you a year and a half, two years, three years, five years, however long, 29 years for me. And, you know, where somebody can help you get to a more stable point quicker. And and that's exactly what it was, Ray. I spent 13 years in dis-ease with myself in the rooms, and I white-knuckled it for 13 years. I'd get a couple of weeks abstinent, then I'd fall again, and I'd get a couple more, and I'd fall, or I'd get a day or a week or a month. And I never was able to stitch them together. And, of course, I chose the best, just best um, disease ever, you know, food, because you get to meet it every single day, five times a day yeah. for me. Like, you can't just walk out of the bar or stop drinking, but I, I right. had to keep eating. And that was not fun. And I was consuming upwards of 18,000 calories a day and spending yeah. anywhere between 50 and 100,000 a year on food. And, mm-hmm. you know, despite all that, I was so successful. I had to be, I had to afford a very expensive habit. It was like a coke addict, right. but I, I just chose the good girl disease of food. And, but the piece for me is in the 12th step and, you know, thank God for it because had I not had it, I don't know what I would have started with. I needed something, but I was just not getting where I wanted to be. And I felt like, you know, I'd leave there and I'd go to a diner. That's really good for someone around food. And that was just not working for me. And finally, you know, when I was introduced to the world of personal development in a whole different way, uh, first introduction was through Tony Robbins. And he personally worked with me uh, back years ago. And I know I shared this with you once before I was suicidal and, mm-hmm. and, and he ended up working with me. And then I continued the journey and realized that not just from him, but from people like Byron Katie and and Dr. Bandler and Grinder and Diltz and um, Wayne Dyer and all these other people who became my mentors and Deepak Chopra and I can keep on and on and on. I realized there's so many other ways to create this change rapidly and not have to 
feel like this is going to be a lifelong sentence. And that's what it felt like for me because I felt like, well, I had to go to a meeting. And I was like, what do you mean I have to go to a meeting? It was another addiction. And that's really what it became a crutch. Right. And I and Steve, I know you're newer in the journey. In 25 years for me, after 13 years still white knuckling it, I didn't like it. And now 25 years and no white knuckles. This is ease. This is effortless. This is this is doing it with peace and gratitude. And it's amazing. Like, I don't. I don't equate to that person I was back then. I don't have that same, you know, anchoring that I need to have that food or that it's calling me. It doesn't know my name anymore. I changed my name, changed my number. I no longer knows how to find me. That's right. And that's cool. And and you are right. I am early in my recovery. Um, the one thing that I can say is truly keeping me clean and sober is the fact that God has removed the obsession uh, of alcohol from me. Um, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, and he knew I needed help, and he removed it. I don't spend as much time in the rooms as I used to, uh, but I still spend time taking the message to others who are in those rooms. Um, it's a little different. I, w- I went to the rooms um, because I needed to hear that other people share the same disease that I did, and perhaps I needed to hear how they conquered it. Um, but right now I can clearly say that my purpose is uh, obviously defined um, and by God uh, for, the, for my path for the rest of my life, and that is to not only uh, continue to help myself, which I'm finally able to do, but to uh, try to help others as well. You know, and I just want to, I just want to throw a little disclaimer out there. If you're listening, don't, don't say, oh, well, gee, I'm wasting my time in a meeting. You're absolutely, you're absolutely not wasting your time in meetings, but broaden your horizons. What you, when you, when you hit your saturation point, I don't like to say a rock, rock bottom, or that's just like, oh, that's to me, that's just, you know, because my, my disease, you know, threw me a shovel when I hit and I started digging. So there was, you know, I dug, I dug through my bottoms. I hit my saturation point and I couldn't take it. I couldn't take in any more is when I had to change. So if you've hit your saturation point and you are reaching out to individuals in a recovery program, now may be a time to think about, you know, not if you, if you have a sponsor, but get one and reach out to an individual that can help you along the way other than in that hour or hour and a half a day. I mean, what I what I originally started learning in in the confines of a meeting was how to act the other 22 and a half hours a day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. outside of outside of that meeting hall. But I got to a point where I needed a little bit more. If you're at the point where you need a little bit more, Lisa is kind of like the person that you want to reach out to, to say, hey, call her up and say, hey, I'm fine. <laughs> right? right? Lisa's we all know fine. What, we all know what <laughs> fine means, right? Erotic <laughs> and emotional. We're all like that at any given point in time um, while we are at that state. You know, and if you if you want to get to a point where life starts making a little more sense and you can embrace, you know, what is coming down the path a little bit easier and not have to run back to a meeting and hide. Lisa is the kind of person that you want to reach out to. Yes, thank you, Ray. And and one of the things I will agree with you, I said it before, the meetings were huge for me at the beginning. I needed them and I was grateful to have them there. 
I just found that there were other means of recovery that I wasn't introduced to in the early age days. They didn't tell me about this in the hospitals or in the rooms. And it took me having to go out seeking other help because what I was doing wasn't working. Right. And I don't necessarily know if today, gratefully, I don't know uh, if they're sharing other ways in the confines of, uh, of, um, you know, like a detox or anything like that. I mean, I know when I went, when my last time that I used was was 28th, 1989. And I went to a quote unquote rehab. It had, it had a detox. And then I stayed in the rehabilitative piece of the wing for like 33 days. I was in there for like 34, 35 days. The last time that I went in, they don't do that today. You know, they, they spin cycle you. You're there for four to five days, boom, you're out back on the street or you go into some type of a recovery program. Now, I don't necessarily know if they're sharing alternatives at that point. I think what they're doing is they're just cookie cutting everyone into this form of, um, you know, follow this way. And I, w- I just want to let our audience know that there are many different ways to be able to grab some sanity in your life. And if, and if what you're doing, like it took me quite a few times bouncing in and out and in and out and in and out to, to say enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And maybe the seventh time I could have gotten it, if somebody put a bug in my ear in 1989 or 1986, that there was a different way, even though there probably wasn't at the time. But mm-hmm. today there are so many different alternatives to, than just the cookie cutter model of quote unquote recovery. And I think they're still doing that um, quite extensively. They, Although I, I do believe that they firmly care about the patients or clients that come under their care. Um, but the volume is so great. There, there are so many different ways um, to deal with addiction or mental illness, um, any sort of disease that it, it's sometimes I can imagine can be overwhelming, but they, they process them in a way to get them in, try to get them stable and then allow them to continue with their life. And that's why so many fall back into uh, the same things that had that they had before. I agree. Well, that's one of the best things about uh, the disease being taken from me or the obsession being taken. I can socialize now with people. I can go with them and go to places where alcohol is present. It does not bother me. Before, um, I could not do that or I had to be in the throes of that alcohol. And it was not always conducive to a good relationship with the people that I were hang that I was hanging out with, so we're going to have to go. Um, but I just wanted to say again how lucky we are to have you with us tonight, Lisa. And and I'm learning a lot. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Steve. You know, and and the funny thing is, is that you know, um, we 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 always we always come back to the same spot, and it's just about one individual trying to help another, and 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 everyone has different ideas, you know, and, and we look at the world today. Like I, I was looking at some things on, on Facebook and the struggle isn't getting any better out there. You know, the numbers aren't turning yet, Mm-mm. you know, it's, it's up to like about 194 a day, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's not, even, and, and, and the, and the thing is, is that's not even counting individuals with the ism of your disease, 
You know what I mean? Like, because what they're doing is they're looking at alcohol and they're looking at drugs. They're not looking at people that have destroyed their liver and destroyed their heart from, from overeating or from purging and, you know, anorexia or bulimia. That doesn't even fit into those numbers. So those numbers are skewed to begin with, you know, and, and we're about ready to go to break. So um, dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you stopped to think seriously about hypnosis? Hypnosis can set you on your way to better health, can free you from anxiety, phobias, and so much more. Join host Inez Simpson for Hypnosis Everywhere, Inez Simpson and the Simpson Protocol. This show is for anyone from the experienced hypnotist practitioner to the merely curious. Inez Simpson offers tools and insights from the whole world of hypnosis with guests and open discussions. Hypnosis Everywhere, the Simpson Protocol, airs live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent, inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back for the last segment. Man, this time just flies, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, um... Well, I was looking through your website, and I noticed that you had you have a picture on the uh, the uh, the happiness formula. It says "fly first, love yourself," and it's all women on the on the page. So I wanted to ask you: Is this a ladies' program, or is this for men as well? well it actually started out as being for women. I thought I was supposed to help women. And it turned out when I wrote my book, I had more men writing testimonials for me than the women. And they kept saying, Lisa, this is for men, too. You need to help men. And I said, well, if I help enough women, aren't I helping men? And it was funny. And then one day I'm doing a seminar. I'm speaking at an event and this 
gentleman comes over to me and he had already been through programs for for um, alcohol and drugs and food and everything. And he says to me, I need your help. And I said, you don't understand. I said, everything I have is geared towards women. He said, hey, I was a Marine. I have enough testosterone. I can handle it. And uh, yeah, and that was it. He was the first gentleman that went through Find a Fab. and And then it became the women who had gone through the programs. Their husband started calling me and said, well, whatever you did for her, I want that too. And so no, it's not just women anymore; it's men. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'm a marine. Steve's a marine, so it's awesome that a marine was the first one that went through your program. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are groundbreakers. <laughs> Why don't you share? Uh, it says here, complete your journey at the retreat. Do you have any upcoming retreats, or do you have anything upcoming that you would like to share? Dates that people can uh, connect with you, like you had said something about being on uh, TV coming up soon. Well, absolutely. I'll be on Inside South Florida. I believe it'll be airing this Saturday or Sunday. I know this weekend I'll be on. I'm going to be heading out your way on in a week or so. So it'll be nice. February 6th or 7th, I think. Uh, you'll be able to find me on Inside South Florida. And also, I do have a retreat coming up in April. It's actually for people going through the program. And it's a three-day retreat. And we literally bring in all of our masters of of people who have different specialties in their areas, whether it be through relationships or leadership or um, dealing with modeling and rituals and be able to sustain what we put forth and not have to fall back into old behaviors. And we have an amazing and amazing weekend. Um, then we also have an event. You can find the dates on the findafab.com website. We have events coming up for relationship retreats about igniting your flame and the flame within as well as the relationships with others. I think the most important pe- thing people have to get is the relationship you have with yourself needs to start first so that all other relationships will work. And I think that that's a big piece. No one wants to acknowledge the look and point the finger at why things aren't working and blame everybody else, but they don't oh, do yeah. the due diligence yeah. to look internally. <laughs> well, <laughs> right? That's the easy. That's the easiest thing to do is yeah. to say that it's somebody else's fault. That's you right. Know? Well, yeah. yeah. I don't have a problem. I'm only like this because well, not, I'm not being even treated this way. That. I mean, not even necessarily that. Owning your problem, but saying it's somebody else that caused yeah. it. You know, and that's and that's very rampant. In, and you can hear it with people sharing even just in general, um, like at the, the checkout line in, in, in Walmart or, or at the grocery store. <laughs> Everyone today is is so easy not to take responsibility for their actions and everybody today is so so willing to let somebody else uh be the be the the captor of their journey yes which which doesn't serve them or anyone else and now that's the biggest piece is taking responsibility and that's also comes into taking responsibility of things that happened and I even shared that when you know being being date raped at 16 I the person who did it was absolutely you know awful and never should have done that but I also had to take responsibility as I wasn't allowed to have people in my parents home and I let him in and you know that was a big deal for me to finally say I let him in I I was told no nobody in the house when parents aren't home and I was a latchkey child, so it was like my parents were never home. Nobody could ever come in. <laughs> so I, I actually thought I was smarter than everybody else, and I found out, you know, I wasn't. And it was it was a rude awakening. Hmm. That's very interesting, and that's something that really puts a lot of questions in my head that I'd like to ask you. But 
there's not time on this show for that because that's really in depth. I look forward to you coming to South Florida. Perhaps there's a chance we can get together. <laughs> the, awesome. um, <laughs> the, um, you know, the, the, the great thing about getting longevity in longevity in sobriety or longevity in clean time, longevity in recovery, whatever it is you want to call it. Um, it gives you a little bit more clarity of thought if you have the willingness to dig a little bit deeper than what's what's written on the pages of the book that you're reading. You know, and, and for me, you know, I don't necessarily know if I would have been able to stay around this long if I just followed that cookie cutter method. And I'm grateful when people like you come on and share with our audience that there is not only that way to do things, but this in this this added this added improved method that is only going to enhance what it is that you're trying to do, and that's and that's really really what it is. You know, I mean, you you can't tell someone don't do the way that's been working for millions for you know countless years. Just add this into the mix. You know, it's throwing just a little bit of extra sugar into that cake. Oh, I just used them wrong. I was going to say, what a metaphor are you using? That was a good one. <laughs> my mouth there. Wait See, a minute. See, that's what happens, Ray, when people switch addictions. They yeah. you don't take one, but you pick up a new one. <laughs> oh, I did absolutely. No, I did I'm, 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 I did I'm, that with intention. But yeah, I'm, I'm hooked yeah. on Oreo cookies and, and ice cream now. Oh, well, that's those are okay. That. Well, <laughs> no, Oreo cookies are okay because they're vegan. No, oh, my. not okay. But let me just say something. There was a study done with rats. They gave rats. They put them in a cage. They gave them a canister with cocaine. Every time they hit the little switch on the canister, they got cocaine. After a week, they took it out of the cage and. They they put another canister with sugar in it. Every time the little rats hit the hit the canister, they got sugar. After a week, they took that out. They put both the canisters in. Which ones did the rats go for? Sugar, sugar. More addicting than cocaine. Yep. Wow. And yep. it, and it is so. It's like you know, it's like your brain on sugar. It is such an <laughs> an awful, awful, awful drug, and people don't even realize it. And for me. Because I have never had a challenge with alcohol, I'm a cheap date, expensive wife. I can, you know, I sniff the bottle of of the alcohol, and I and I'm already ready to pass out. <laughs> mm. And but the thing that I can tell you is that sugar, alcohol, does the same thing to me as food does. Is hence why I don't have a tolerance for it. Like right. it literally, like it's almost like a drug. And you got to be aware that it is real and. The, the thing that really got me over the years and why dealing with neuroscience and human psychology became so important was I saw myself and others switching addictions. Like, okay, I'm not using food anymore. Now I'm going to use money. I'm going to be spending and try to make myself feel better. And then I, I didn't like that. Then I'm going to use relationships. Then I'm going to use this. Then I'm going to use that. Coffee and, or cigarettes or, or yeah. Cigarettes, mm-hmm. food and you know, and then I, I had a friend who literally was in every is every every a every a program. No, <laughs> and I was like, well, how many days in a week are you going here? You know, today you're going to this one, Jack. Next one you're going to this one. This 
this one, this one, this one. I was like, this is crazy. And then switching addictions. I said, this has to be a way where we get to the root cause of what's really coming, what it comes to. And the root cause of why we do what we do has to do with only three things, gentlemen. And this is the piece people need to get. The first one is our beliefs and the beliefs are the lies we tell ourselves. The second is the communication and the internal dialogue and the language that we're saying to ourselves. People say, oh, I don't say it outwardly, but you're saying it to yourself probably millions of times, all these deserving, these things that aren't serving you. And then the other is the ship, which is your strategies, habits, impulses, and physiological control or your unconscious programming that was given to you because five, 55% of your beliefs are formed by the time you're five years old by well-meaning teachers, preachers, guardians, and parents. The other 45% built on a shaky foundation. So if your ship is steering you off course, you're going to be where you're going to end up falling back all the time. So mm-hmm. with those three root causes, when we get to that, and if you want to, if your listeners want to be able to learn more about it, you can actually go to sevensecretstofab.com. And you can watch a webinar on the seven secrets and and learn more about it. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal webinar. And literally, you can be doing the exercises as I'm talking about it and seeing what your stuff is and where you're showing up and how that's working for you. And if you want my book for free, I'm going to do this. And I've never done this before. If you want my book for free, number one bestseller, you can get the ebook version. Go to Fab, um, Fab, wait, excuse me, VIP. I forgot what it is. It's a VIP fab event. I have to think I just did it wrong. I'm going to tell you what it is in a second. Fab VIP event, I think. I I asked my husband to make a thing for me. Yeah, fab, F-A-B, VIP event.com. And you can get a copy of my book. Nice. Fantastic. Nice. Well, I know you'll get two of them. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Unless one is delivered in person in a hardcover uh, on the 7th or thereabouts of February (laughs) here in South Florida. Uh, The invitation will remain open and I'll be in touch with you. Um, My wife would love to meet you, I'm sure. Um, One of the biggest things that uh, keeps me going and I'm sure keeps a lot of other people in our situation going is how much we realize our loved ones are happy with how we are now and what a change we have had in our lives and to see them happy keeps me going and they see it right and they see it yeah yeah and that's and you know that's that's one good thing that you know uh, when when i got clean and i'm sure lisa when you when you started uh what would be what would be the term of when you got better better what would you use for a for a term for that like when i got clean you know, so I got sober. Sober. I, when I don't actually use recovery or anything else, I have a belief that when we put "I am" to something, it becomes your identity. Okay. All oh, right. Well, okay. that's cool. Now we only have two minutes left, so that's another hour that we're going to have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I get, if you, I get if, exactly what I get exactly what you uh, what you're talking about. You know, um, but. I, I have to own what I did, and 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 um, you know, so so now I now I am clean. Um, I was an active addict for many years, and and now I am not. Well, one thing that I, one thing that um, I noticed people embraced me more because I wasn't doing the things that I was doing. I wasn't hanging with the people that I was hanging with, and I wasn't acting. Or the behavior changed, and you know. There were some people that accepted me. The majority of people still didn't. And I can tell you, probably 29 years to the day, if I walked into the place that I 
got thrown out of, they would look at me and say, I knew you'd be back. Now, the, the sad thing is, is that individual has been sitting there 29 years waiting right. for me to walk back in the door. Right. And really, that's how, that's how sad this this ease is yes we have like 30 seconds left i'm glad that you came on with us again Thank we're going to invite you on again of course because there's just so much to talk about with you thank so you. thank you very much lisa i can't thank you enough i've learned so much my pleasure i can't wait to hear from you after you read the book you got to read the book <laughs> have a good night thank you very much Thanks, everyone. stay blessed everyone Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.